there, and welcome to the Stories for Tomorrow podcast. We love chatting with interesting people, people with stories to tell. In each episode, we will be sharing true stories told by real people. We hope you enjoy it. This podcast is sponsored by Clockbox, a digital memory box of your life to be shared with future generations. With your host, Larissa Lima. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Stars for Tomorrow podcast. Today, we're speaking with someone that had a unique type of story. He went through many things in life to find his purpose. From millionaire to live a simple life as a monk in New York City. And now, he works as a speaker for many companies around the world. So let's see if Paddy Dasa has to share with us from his life experiences. Hello, Padet. How are you today? I'm doing well, Larissa. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. That's amazing. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you speaking from? So I am currently in Florida. I moved here just a little over a year ago. And before that, I was living in the New York City and New Jersey area for about 25 years. Very cool. And would you have a favorite childhood memory to tell us today? Oh, favorite childhood memory. Oh, my gosh. Well, my childhood was quite interesting and active. But I guess the time that I spent on Venice Beach, when we first came to this country from India, my parents had a gift shop on Venice Beach. And so I remember just kind of running around Venice Beach, skateboarding, swimming in the ocean, playing basketball. Those were just like that whole time was just such a carefree time of exploration because I was also exploring a new culture, a new country. So that was, those were some very interesting memories that I still have and a very like positive memories that I have from my childhood. Oh, that's lovely. That sounds amazing. I would love to have a childhood like that. So I came across your LinkedIn profile a few days ago and your tagline got my attention. It was very interesting. It says millionaire to monk, monk to motivational speaker. So I got very intrigued because they're totally, you know, different streams. So I had to check it out. So I found your TED Talk, your books, you have written two books, and I just had to speak with you and understand more about the story. So let's get started from the millionaire part. Would you mind tell us a little bit about it and then we go through? So as I mentioned, I grew up in Southern California in Los Angeles. And when my parents had literally nothing when they came to this country and they worked so every day they were working seven days a week for years and years and years with a lot of hard work and a lot of luck, they actually became multimillionaires. They established an amazing jewelry business in Los Angeles. So everything was really fantastic. We had this beautiful house three-story house on the hills of Los Angeles. Oh, wow. It was overlooking all of downtown LA. That was our view with a pool, a jacuzzi, a little waterfall, six bedrooms. Like it was the LA lifestyle that, you know, the American dream, you could say. We lived, we began living yes. the American dream much faster than we thought we would. So everything, you know, then we had other properties, many cars. It was basically, we had everything. And then, you know, life has its ups and downs. Yeah. Then in the early 1990s, 
my parents' jewelry factory actually burnt down. It caught on fire and we ended up losing everything. Went almost completely broke. So now that's the part of me starting the journey towards monkhood. (laughs) But it would take another seven or eight years. We lived in post-communist Bulgaria for a couple of years. And that was a very interesting and challenging time. Then we moved back to the U.S. Then in 1999, I decided that I wanted to press pause on my life and figure out for myself what I'm doing now, how I want to live the rest of my life. So I decided to go to a monastery in Mumbai, India, to live with monks, to understand my inner life a little bit better. I figured that if I can understand my inner life, the outer will become more clear. And so I was living with 40 monks in Mumbai. Nobody had beds. Nobody had mattresses, their own rooms. That's crazy. Everybody's sleeping on like in three large rooms just next to each other on a thin straw mat. We're waking up at four in the morning, meditating from five for about two, three hours every day, sometimes more. The rest of the day was spent serving one another, serving the community. So it was a life of simplicity, humility, and service. I spent six months in India as a monk. Then I came... I wasn't really a monk. I was kind of visiting and I was living in a monastery, but I was becoming attracted to this life because I found myself feeling much more at peace than I ever had in my whole life. So then I wanted to continue looking into that life. So I moved back to the U.S. to New York this time and moved into a monastery in Manhattan, New York City, the big apple. Oh, wow. Not a quiet and peaceful place. Yeah, (laughs) But a place where a lot of people are stressed. So as I was living there, I was helping a lot of people learn about mindfulness, meditation, stress management, how to manage your emotions, how to manage your thoughts, how to manage your anger, just all of these things that make our life very painful and difficult. And I thought I was going to just do that maybe a few months. I ended up spending 15 years as a monk. That's crazy. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. And how different it was having lived as a monk in India and then New York City, because I would say it would be a quite different lifestyle. What would you say about yeah. it? It's sometimes hard to create a comparison, but India, the culture of monk life in India is somewhat more accepted. Yes. Uh, because there's lots of monks in the Hindu and Buddhist traditions, and those traditions have history of lots of monastics. Mm -hmm. And so it was, I guess, a little easier in one sense, but because I grew up in the U.S., for me, being in the U.S. was easier in general. Yes. It was different. You know, in New York, people would look because I'm dressed in orange-colored robes, walking around New York, (laughs) shaved head, no hair on my head. And so you would get more looks. But New York is a place where there's one character after another walking around on yeah. the streets <laughs> too much attention. But I found it to be it because in New York I could, you know, teach more. I was teaching college students at Columbia University, New York University, and other places around the country. So I was talking to a lot of college students. Now, of course, in the last eight years since I left the monastic life, I've been speaking in organizations around the globe to mm-hmm. corporate professionals. But back then I was speaking mainly to college students. And I absolutely loved it. You know, teaching college students at such a young age how to manage their mind, how to deal with stress, 
how to keep a bigger perspective on life. That was so satisfying to teach them and help them because that's not something anybody teaches us in school. Yes, and it's so important having a good mental health impacting everything, things that we do or say, basically every area of our lives. So I'm sure the work you did helped many students. So you said that you went to India to find your purpose in life. Now the million dollar question, did you find your purpose in life? Would you like to pass on your legacy for free? Sign up now for the 21 day story challenge and share your adventures, memories, wisdom, and life experience with future generations. Click the link in the description of this episode and start sharing stories, photos, videos, and audio recordings on the Clockbox app. This podcast is sponsored by Clockbox, a digital memory box of your life. I found it when I was, especially when I was living in the monastery in New York, because I started teaching on these principles of life. And when I started teaching, I realized I found a great satisfaction after speaking to students and speaking to people in general. I would just feel thrilled and excited. And especially when I could see that's making a difference in their life, they would walk away saying, yeah, this, I can, if I do this in my life, I'll be happier. So when I saw that I was making a difference in people's lives, I realized that this is my purpose, that actually, if I would have taken over my parents' business, I just don't think I would be anywhere as happy as I was and am doing what I'm doing. Because now, almost on a regular basis, almost every day, I'm speaking to some organization and people feel so much better after the messages that I share and the practical tips that I share and how to be mindful at work, at home, in your relationships and all around, people are so much, you know, so happy and relieved. That gives me a great joy. So I realized that my purpose in life is to try to uplift others in some capacity or another. And that's really what I want to do. And I think, you know, in one sense, that's everyone's purpose in life. Yes. I think it's everyone's purpose to uplift each other. I really do think that is our main purpose in life. And so, but I've discovered that when I was living in the monastery and teaching others. And so luckily for me, when I left the monastic life eight years ago, I continued doing what I was doing before. I'm just doing it to corporate audiences now. Yeah, that's very interesting. So After all the life experience, I felt that you lived like three lives in one lifetime. <laughs> What was the most <laughs> important thing that you've learned in life? God, there are so many important things that I've learned in life. So many. I mean, just so many and they're all equally important. But one thing I've learned a lot is that if we don't learn to manage what's going on up here, like I compare our mind to one of these, to a smart device. When we have too many apps open, it slows down and it drains the battery. And so how many apps are open up here on a daily basis? If we don't know how to close them, if we don't learn how to close them, because this doesn't come with an instruction manual. This one does, <laughs> you know, this one doesn't. And so no one, our parents, teachers know how to teach us to deal with this, right? They put a toy together for us and they teach us how to eat and sleep and go to the bathroom and tie our shoes. But this, no one knows. It's a mystery. But if we don't learn to control this, it will control us. And we will feel drained and exhausted and depleted at the end of each day. But if we can learn to really manage our mind and 
feel grateful for what we have in life, then we can actually live a much happier life. You know, and that was that was one of the key things. Most of our problems and anxieties start and end with our mind. Problem is as big as we want it to be. It could be this big, but if we keep thinking about it, it gets bigger, bigger, bigger. We're making that bigger. If the size of it was still this big, we're doing this to it. We're increasing the size. So I think that's probably one of the biggest things that human beings can learn to manage their minds and emotions and thoughts. And of course, also realize that our goal in life is to continue to always serve others. We're not just living for ourselves, that we're living for others and service is what really makes us happy. And I think these are the two big lessons that I took away from that time that I try, I try, I try, not always successfully to implement into my own life. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you very much for your answer. Really, really liked it. So now after all the knowledge, life experience that you gained, you're working as a motivational speaker for hundreds of companies. You do talks about mindful leadership, resilience, team building, stress management. How is this journey going? It's absolutely lovely. It's so fantastic. Like every time I give a talk, whether it's in person or virtual, I can, you know, at the end of all of my talks, whether it's leadership, whether it's resilience, stress management, at the end of my talks, I teach my audience how to do some breathing and focusing mindfulness techniques. And a lot of times people have never done them. And the response is absolutely incredible. I did this, I did this one talk for one of the largest financial institutions in America, maybe the world. And when I, after the talk, one lady came up to me and she said, first, when I learned that you were a monk, I wasn't, I wasn't happy that you were coming to speak to our organization because I was thinking, why is a monk coming to speak to us? You're a large, largest financial institution. She said, but I'm so glad you came and I'm so glad I came to your talk. And so I, I get these, like, there's one organization that I gave multiple talks for and the lady who invited me back, she said, you know, you taught me something seven years ago when you came to our New York office and I still practice that um, breathing technique and it helps me deal with the stress between meetings and things like that. I mean, that just felt so satisfying that, Like somehow I gave something to her that seven years later is still helping her just be a kinder and just more peaceful human being. Like my goal in life is achieved. If I can just keep doing that till I die, I'll feel like I did what I was meant to do. Ah, that's beautiful. Very nice. Very good. So just one final question before I let you go. So as you know, this podcast is sponsored by Clockbox, a digital time capsule to be shared with future generations. So let's say you have a time capsule. What would you say that you would live in there for your loved ones for the day you live this earth? Well, that's a really great question. Well, I think I would leave a note in there, probably other things as well, but a note saying that, remember that we were placed on this earth to serve others. And no matter how much success we achieve in life, it's important to receive that success with humility and gratitude and to not let that success make us arrogant and proud in a negative way. Oh, that's so cool. Thank you very much. I would love to receive this time capsule. 
That's great. <laughs> you really, really enjoy understand more about your story and sharing some of your wisdom in the Stories for Tomorrow podcast. Thanks for taking the time to speak with us today. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Stories for Tomorrow. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This podcast is sponsored by Clockbox, a digital memory box of your life to be shared with future generations. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode.